Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Kate Hamilton, and today is episode 14. So I am joined today by Shane Walsh. Shane is owner of Shane Walsh Fitness. He is an online coach, nutritionist, and he specializes in female fat loss. Um, he is also the host of the well-known, highly esteemed podcast, The Shane Walsh Podcast. He is a fountain of knowledge on all things female fat loss and has interviewed countless experts on this podcast also. So he has so much information to share with us. Uh, welcome, Shane, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I love doing these kind of like little chats because it's so uh, different for me getting interviewed. Really? I yeah, I find it's a little bit unnerving. It's kind of like when I used to work in recruitment, someone going for a job interview. It's kind of like, do they find out that you're a fraud? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that you can't properly prepare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it's easier to be the interviewer, like you know, because I can I can know what I'm going to ask and then just leave you to talk. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just kind of sit there having a cup of tea, and here's me panicking and sweating. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose we start off anyway. Um, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and what got you to where you are today. Yeah. So my story is a little bit like an X Factor story. So prepare for the sob story coming up so yes. i worked in when i came out of college it was kind of like the really like i think we we're in the recession it's kind of like 2011 after i finished my masters and in school i had no idea what i wanted to do i kind of fell into kind of sales and recruitment and i fell into kind of that side of things i did internships after work and after after college and stuff because there was no jobs and then fell into recruitment worked for Irish job study and then fell into kind of proper recruitment agency side of things. I didn't enjoy it at all. I really fucking hated it. Excuse my French. <laughs> um, but I fell into a kind of a dark enough place when that happened. And then kind of in 2017, it all came to a head. So in 2017, I started a new job in an agency in April so on the Monday. And then on the Saturday, I woke up with my left arm swollen about six times the size it should be, fluid in it, rash on the forearm, and just was kind of like, this isn't normal. So I didn't know what was going on. Rang one of my mates, uh, now husbands, and he was like, well, she needs to go to the doctor. I need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and was laying on a trolley for God knows how long and had to be kept in the hospital for a week, had to get surgery to open up the veins. So it turned out that I had um, kind of blood clots. So wow. one was kind of on the collar, just like around the collarbone. They couldn't find that one for ages. And then there was one above the forearm. And um, so I got my veins opened up and I was fine. Kind of went back into work about two weeks later and collapsed on my desk with fluid in my lungs. So I had to get that sorted as well. And then after that, my mental health just went to shit. So they, they have no reason, no knowledge of what actually happened to me because I was 29 at that stage. So didn't know what was happening. And yeah, fell into a very dark place to the point of buying sleeping tablets to finish it, to finish, to kind of kill myself and didn't know what to do. And I heard a sentence I am on Brian Keane's podcast. And I had never, I'd never listened to any podcast in my life. I don't know how, even how I came across Brian's. And I heard a sentence, I stopped caring what other people think. And that was my, I literally rang dad straight away. I was like, I need to go and talk to someone. Because I, was, I wasn't eating. I like, there's not a lot on me. And I lost about two and a half stone in about six weeks. So I wasn't eating. There's a photo of me, dad, with me and my dad on Father's Day 
I, of 2017. Dad doesn't recognize me in the photo. Um, my, I'm gone. The soul's left my eyes. I look, I look, I don't look good. Uh, so I was lucky enough to have my mates around me. I went traveling. And then when I went traveling, I started going into like the Joe Wick side of things. Started doing hit sessions, started doing that with people that we were traveling with just to kind of get some sort of exercise in. And that's how I fell into it. And I booked my flights. I booked my flight home from Vietnam. I booked my course, my PT course, and been in the PT industry since January or February of 2018. And was working in the main gyms. And what I was finding was there was an awful lot of people who were coming up to me in the classes that were mainly those with menstrual cycles. And they were asking loads of questions of why am I tired at this stage? Why am I getting cravings? Why am I getting this? And I was like, there's something up here. So I fell into a rabbit hole of watching three hour lectures on menstrual cycles and I haven't really looked back. So yeah, that's my story and that's how I've kind of got into what I do now. Wow, that's such a story. And I didn't actually know that about um, about your background. Um, so like when you were going through this difficult time when you were really sick and you were struggling with your mental health, were you in, were you in sport or fitness at all? Or did, did you live kind of quite a sedentary lifestyle? I would have said I was very active from teenagers up until mid twenties. And then I stopped playing soccer. Um, yeah. I'm going to call it soccer because people get confused. <laughs> I, um, I stopped playing soccer in mid twenties and just kind of my social life kind of took over and kind of was out in the piss an awful lot. I wasn't into drugs. I've never done drugs. I haven't even smoked weed. Like that's how much of a saint I was. Um, and yeah, so a little bit more sedentary, put on a bit of weight. I was like, I was having issues with my stomach, like IBS and stuff and trying to figure that out. And mm. I would have been sedentary to a point, but I also wasn't probably proactive about kind of aiding kind of like, I wasn't going to the gym or anything because I had this kind of like gym anxiety thing of kind of like, oh, they're bigger. So why even try all that kind of stuff? So, um, I was walking and stuff, but I wasn't yeah, so kind of normal kind of, it's kind of what happens to a lot of people, isn't it? That they're active when they're kids and sometimes right into their teens and, then when college life hits, it's kind of like it is, it becomes kind of party life. And it's, yeah. and it's so normal in our society that it's just something you fall into naturally. Like it's the exact same thing happened to me that, um, you know, it just fell into the cycle of social, like you're socializing twice or three times a week drinking. And then suddenly you're in your your mid twenties and or late twenties. And you're in this habit of this constant cycle of drinking. And um, I think it's a really common problem that people have in relation to their mental health that like, I remember like I struggled with my mental health in my early twenties and um, I had chronic anxiety. Like I was, you know, daily panic attacks. It was, it was really debilitating at the time, but I didn't at the time, looking back now at the time, I could not pair that with my social life of drinking and not moving. And you know, that I didn't, I saw it as something that happened to me, like that I was a victim. I didn't see it as something that was a, a, possibly a product of my lifestyle. Yeah, and I would say that's what happened to myself. Like I was, I was going out an awful lot and not looking after myself and that side of things. And I was, I went to therapy when I got mentally ill. And when I fell into the victim mode like yourself. And I remember having a chat with my counselor at the time and she was very, very blunt, like, to the very point and that what's what I needed. I didn't need mm. it. Like, I needed an arm around the shoulder at times, but most of the time I just need to like, right. Cool story. Like what's, what's next? Like 
actually break down the actual story and where it's coming from. And it was kind of like, if this hadn't happened to you, it would have happened to someone else. So what makes you so special that bad things can't happen to you? And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You're kind of like, okay, that makes things a hell of a lot clearer. It's kind of like, well, there was a reason why this happened. I would still be, if I was in recruitment right now, I probably still wouldn't, I wouldn't be here, I would say. If I was, I was so miserable. Like I, I've gone back playing football now in my mid thirties for the first time in 10 years. Yeah. It's a young man's game. I'm going to tell you, I was marking someone I could have been their dad on last, last Saturday, genuinely. And you're playing for a team. So it's competitive enough. Like, yeah. Yeah. League, we've got cup this, this weekend and stuff. Like it's competitive enough and it's training two weeks, two days a week. And then you've got your matches on Saturday mornings. So it's, it's a bit of time, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, the most important thing for me is kind of having that kind of community and kind of having that kind of team morale thing about it. That was the biggest thing I missed from playing football was that kind of like team atmosphere and stuff. I think I probably took the last dance by Michael, the Michael Jordan F documentary a bit too uh, serious going back into playing football in mid thirties, but we'll see how we go. It's uh, no, brilliant. And actually my husband has done the same. Now he's not playing competitive. Now he's a bit older than you. He's 40, but he's back playing Astro football oh, yeah. on Thursday nights. That's where I started dad. with it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the dads uh, at Jaden's football team um, said, Oh, do you want to come and start playing football? So like literally he went, he so, was so excited, went off like a kid on his first day of school, came back injured on the first day. I'm like, you're not 12. Like he, you know, like most 40 year olds be like, Oh yeah, I'm 30. Like Dave thinks he's 12 when he's playing football. Like it's so funny, but um, it's, it's, so important and I think women are much better at making that time like you know they're better at supporting each other and having that community and you know whereas I think especially when you kind of hit your 30s and people are getting married people are having kids men tend to end up a lot lonelier I think you know they end up being on their own a lot more and it kind of happens without them realizing it because they're also busy with their jobs and their families and that football teams or you know things like CrossFit or whatever are great a great way for men to actually kind of come together and have a bit of crack again. No, it's been, it's been really good. Like it's a, it's a great bunch of lads. I think it's, I think the youngest on the team is kind of early twenties. And then we've got like the two lads who founded the club are kind of 40 and 41. So there's mm-hmm. kind of a, a massive range of kind of ages yeah. and stuff and backgrounds and stuff. It's, yeah. it's good fun. It gets you out yeah. on Saturday morning as well. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's brilliant. Um, and I just, yeah, just before we move on to the next um, topic, I just kind of want like, to tie up what we're talking there about about mental health and stuff that um it is where if you are struggling i just think it is definitely first of all worth looking at your lifestyle because i think we don't question it in our society you know what am i doing every day what am i doing every week is it serving me is it actually making me happy and also just i'll go to the second point before i forget it that it's just so important to find a therapist go talk to someone like that was the best thing i ever did and i do think it's something everyone should do and you, do, you don't have to wait until like you hit rock bottom like that you end up in the situation that you were in or the situation i was in to make changes in your life and um, some t- some people do end up like you know, like ourselves waiting until then but um that you don't have to and that there's always you know um, a chance to make a fresh start really with with these things yeah i think a lot of people I think in two minds, but I kind of go in and out of my mindset on this of like, we kind of almost need something to happen to us in order to see change. Yeah. But it's also like, we don't want it to get to that stage. So 
people think, well, my mental health isn't bad enough to warrant therapy. I'm like, I think every single person out there should be in therapy. The one thing that I've realized, I'm not sitting on an ivory tower or talking down to people right now. That's not my intent. The one thing I've realized during kind of the last two and a half years of in particular with coaching is there's not one person that I've worked with or out there that hasn't got some sort of insecurity or self-esteem or self-belief or self-worth mm-hmm. or perfection thing that they couldn't work on. And yeah. we all we're have all these up one way or another, really, aren't we? Everyone has something. That's going my on. polite way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all have shit. We all have shit. Everyone has shit. Yeah. It's about learning how to actually challenge it. And that's one of the things that I work with a lot from all my clients is that challenging that narrative and challenging those stories that we have around ourselves mm. that are probably driving us to a goal that isn't even ours. It's yeah. what we think we should be doing. We think we should be in this career. We think we should have the house by 30 or the car by 30 or the wife by 30 or partner by 30 or kids or whatever it may be. That was my big thing. Yeah. I was coming up to 30 years of age. I was kind of like, because I got severely bullied as a kid up until the age of probably like seven until like 15. And mm. that's where a lot of my issues have come from is, is that side of things of feeling that I need to be a certain way to fit into society or fit in. It's kind of like, no, I don't need to fit into society. Why would I need to fit in? Why do I need to just tick a box and look like a certain way or be a certain way for someone to accept me? If they don't like me, they don't like me. I'm not, there's not one person on this earth that every single person likes. So why am I so special that I have to be different, that I yeah. have to fit into that social norm? There is no norm. Not any one person on this earth is normal. Yeah. So why do I need to fit into that bracket? Because that bracket sounds really boring, to be honest with you. If I stuck it, if I stayed in that bracket, I wouldn't be alive right now. That's me being morbid as hell, but it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really is this whole should, I should do this. I should do that. And it's like, you, if you actually stop and think where are all these shoulds actually coming from? Why should I have to buy a house? Why should I have to get married? Why should I have to have children? Why should I have to earn this amount by this age? Why should I lead a nine to five lifestyle. You know, where where are all these beliefs coming from? And it is probably what's making the majority of people really, really stressed and really sick. A lot. I, one thing that I've realized is no, not a lot of many people are aware of what their values are. They're not yeah. sure of what they actually want to do. They're not sure of how they want to live their life. Like if I, I use an exercise with clients of figuring out why they want to do something or why they potentially haven't been prioritizing themselves and they go through this checklist and they tick it along. It's kind of, and what they find out is they're looking for acceptance from others, looking for responsibility. They're looking for kind of job security and two or three things that crop up all the time. That health and fitness is probably like seven out of 10 on the list. You're kind of like, this is potentially why the health, the fitness side of things hasn't been prioritized your job, your family, your whatever it may be is higher on your priority list. And that's why it's been getting the love and attention. It potentially has been wanted or it has deserved for you. But if we want to change something, we probably need to get your health and fitness a little bit more high, a little bit more up on that list for yourself so that you can, even if it's at number seven now and we get that up to top five, well, then it's going to be a little bit higher ranked. And how yeah. do we do that? We prioritize a little bit more. We say, right, I don't necessarily need to do an hour of training three times a week. Maybe I could do a 20 minute session three times a week. And that's all that I can manage, but still getting me closer to my goal rather than trying to live by that. 
or beat myself up with that perfection stick of having to do having to do everything and end up doing nothing and that's what drives an awful lot of people that we think we need to be perfect in order to be yeah to get anywhere to where we want to go like there's so many times i look at the business stuff that i try to do i've tried to do a lot of things and they've fallen flat their their arse but i've learned from them and i'm kind of like well what can i improve was it really what i wanted to do or was it what i was watching other people do I was trying to figure out that side of things for yourself. So I think a lot of people need to be a little bit more clear on their values and what they actually want to do. And to have the growth mindset to actually reassess your values as well and not be like, oh, this is what I value. It's like, okay, why do I value this? And can, is there anything I can rearrange here on my list to, so that it will get me that little bit healthier, happier. Yeah, like if someone values traveling and they're not traveling, it's kind of like, do you really value, tra- tra- value traveling or are you living your life by someone else's standards? And that's a big question. It's a harder question to ask. If you yeah. enjoy traveling, I enjoy traveling, but mm. I don't really want to be the person, the fitness person over in Bali or whatever. Maybe that doesn't align with, I thought that's what I wanted, but I didn't really want to go down that route. Getting the yeah. odd holiday here or there is probably more in line with what I want to do. Yeah. And having that balance here on this, on kind of, this is the office and having that balance, like that door closes at a certain time every day. And I don't go into it on the weekends. That's yeah. what I value. I value my own time. I value having time with my partner. I value time with my family. I value time with my friends. I value playing sports. And my values have definitely changed in the last two years. Um, but it's, it's, it's living the life that you want and being clear on that it will make you a hell of a lot happier and you won't be as frantic. You won't be as busy a fool as you probably are right now because you're not living the life that you want. You think that's the life what you want, but it isn't really. Yeah. And like, I know a lot of my listeners probably similar to, to your own clients. Um, a lot of them would have children. A lot of them would have extremely busy lifestyles, you know, are kind of, a lot of them might even feel a little bit, even though they love their children trapped in this lifestyle of, okay, well, I have the house, I have the kids, I have this hectic lifestyle. I can't just abandon my kids and run away um, regardless of what my values are. Um, And I find that a lot of my clients can end up quite lost and they've lost themselves in the process of looking after their families. And then they kind of, they start my program and they kind of, they're like, please help. I, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, there's an element of the thing called mom guilt or parent guilt. Um, when it kind and guilt means you've done something wrong. That's what guilt means. Like if someone has done something wrong, they generally go to prison. Um, but the overarching thing of guilt is shame, and shame means I am wrong. I am wrong for doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You're not wrong. Your prioritize your priorities have changed, and I think it's figuring out at some stage. Well, what is good enough? So as I spoke about earlier, like particularly if it's a fitness, what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy walking? Okay. So why not try to meet up with other parents that you can go for a walk or for a coffee? Okay. So you enjoy the gym. Okay. So how many times are you going at the minute? Well, I haven't got time. It's like, okay, have we not got time or you may not have time. That's fine. But Mm. I would question, do you not have time or is it down to priorities? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with if it's down to priorities, but it's not that you don't have time because t- you're blaming yourself for not having time. 
if it's down to priority, yeah. you're taking that self blame away. You're taking that, that you're taking away that harsh stick that you keep beating yourself with. Maybe you just need to potentially go for classes for 30 minutes twice a week. And that's all that you can manage. And that's fine. You yeah. still get to your goal that way yeah. or hitting the gym 30 minutes twice a week. Is that's all you can manage? Go for or it. Or even home workouts. That's how I started my journey with when my older two were small. I did hit sessions. Yeah, exactly. I did hit sessions. They're great. Um, and if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But it's, I don't think it's for some people, I'm not saying all people, for some people, it could be down to priority. Like if I, if I sit down with a client and look at their kind of like their daily routine, hour by hour and looking at that checklist, there's an awful lot of things there for other people, but not a mm. whole lot in for themselves and kind of like, well, in a nice way, I'll be kind of like, well, how do we expect anything to change or how do we expect to have any time for ourselves if we're not have we don't almost have a planned in. It's kind of like a yeah. you time, as I call it with clients, kind of like that could be 20 minutes. That could be going on lunch with the, the girls or the lads or whatever it may be on the weekends. It is possible. It is. It just means that you probably need to reassess and look at, well, are you actually people pleasing? And yeah. people pleasing is less about what the other person wants, but it's more about what you want. And people are like, that makes no sense. Well, people pleasing doesn't make the other person happy. People pleasing makes you warm and fuzzy inside because you've helped other people. That's what people pleasing does. And people pleasing comes back to social acceptance. We all want to be socially accepted. But mm -hmm. if someone comes around to you and say, well, you're an amazing person, are you going to necessarily believe them? No. So the issue isn't that you're looking for acceptance from other people. It's you need to look at accept getting some sort of acceptance for yourself. You're good enough as you are. Doing more for everyone else isn't going to solve any of the insecurities that you have. It's not going mm -hmm. to make you, it's going to, make you feel warm and fuzzy, but it's not going to solve anything. It's not going to bring you any closer to where you want to go. And so if, once you drop people pleasing and say, right, what can I say no to? Or what can I say yes to? Mark Manson talks about, I think it's hell yes and hell no. If it's a hell yes, well, then you'll do it. If it's a hell no, well, then it's not what you're going to do. So if I look at a decision right now or something's kind of coming up or a night out with the lads or whatever it may be, it's like, right, do I want to do this or am I half arsed about it? If I'm half arsed about it, I'll say no to it. If it's not mm. a hell yes, first of yeah. all, I will say no to it. And that's how I generally rank things in when I want to say yes and no to things. Yeah. And it completely just filters your time. And before you realize it, you'll actually have so much more time. So a yeah. lot of uh, women, sorry, when people start with my program, I what I would always say to them is that there's three things that you need starting out. And first of all, what we always work with on week one would be having a clear why. So why are you on this weight loss journey? Why are you on this fitness journey? And to really dig deep with it, as in you can't just be like, oh yeah, I want to lose a stone or I want to lose three stone. Okay, like that's great, but that's not going to get you out on a November evening for your walk when you don't feel like it. Um, it so you have to dig deeper with that why. And then display it somewhere where you can see it on your phone, on your fridge, on your wardrobe door so that you're reminded all the time because motivation is bullshit. You're not going to be motivated all the time and you, it needs to come back to that clear sense of why. And if you actually can't find um, the why within yourself for yourself, even if it is for your children, you know, because you want to be there to see them grow up or you want to have the energy for them, use that. Whatever actually feels, whatever you feel is actually, um, is actually what you need to use. And then on top of that, 
then I, what I would, what I always suggest is you need to get organized. And I know people will be like, oh, I'm not an organized person. That's easy for her to say she's organized. But I do believe that organization is something that we can all um, train ourselves in, that we can all become organized to some degree. So that ties in with what you're saying about time. The more organized you are, then you've, you've actually scheduled the time for yourself in there. And then you put those daily habits in place and it's the daily habits that are going to carry you through to your goal, no matter how, like, and I'm also a big believer in taking that time limit off the goal and focusing on the daily habits, focusing on the organization and keep revisiting that why. And I kind of tie all that together. And I find that is how most women find their way in the beginning anyway. Yeah, I think the finding the why is one of the a very, like I came off a conversation with someone there at a welcome call with a new client there. And one of the things that we were kind of digging into was like, why do you want to lose weight? Because uh, losing weight is not a big enough goal. No. Like if you wanted to lose weight, you'd probably be there already if it was a big enough goal. But it's not, as you said, it's not going to get you to do the daily. You need to be a little bit more process oriented. And look at what you're doing daily to get to your goal. If you tell me what you're going to do daily, I'll tell you where you'll be in a year. That's generally mm -hmm. what I, I, I kind of go by. But I think, like, I'll look at it from, why do you go to work to get paid? Why do you want to get paid? So I have a roof over my head. Why do you want to have a roof over your head? So I, so I have, so my family have somewhere to live. Why do you want to have family somewhere to live so they're not homeless? There you're clear on your why. You don't go to work every day motivated. You go yeah. to work. You may not give your all at every single day, but you do something and moves yeah. the needle forward in whatever task you're trying to do. It brings you forward to getting potentially that promotion or potentially to that closer deadline that you have coming up. And I know when I talk with clients and they kind of dig into that, why it kind of comes generally back to you need an emotional attachment to it. Why do you want to lose weight? I want to feel better in my clothes. Why do you want to feel better in your clothes? Because I want to get into pictures. Why do you want to get into pictures so I can ha so I can get a picture of my kids? Why do you want to get pictures of your kids so they have memories of me when I I'm gone? So there's an emotional attachment. There's a proper why. Yeah. If you know why you're wanting to do something, it's a hell of a lot easier to to kind of get that little bit more of. I hate the word motivation, but it is. It gives you that little bit more clarity in why you want to do something. I know some of the main challenges that I kind of see with clients all the time are kind of like the all or nothing approach. And I think that yeah, is the yeah. first step. Dropping that is the first step to probably this uh, alongside finding the way of, of getting the results, the everlasting results that people probably want. It's kind of like the all or nothing mindset. If it's, if it's not perfect, there's no point. It's kind of like, well, there is a point. You're not perfect at work every day. You're not a perfect parent every day. You're not a perfect partner every day. But it's still a point to the relationship. There's still a point in your job. So it's probably going from what, like, what is, what's good enough for you? Is it 80% wholesome foods majority of the time and 20% soul foods, foods that make you feel warm and good? Yeah. Or is it 70% or 30%? So it's figuring out what's good enough for you and that's how you address it. It's kind of like just doing something. Like it could be just going for a walk. It could be just going for a run. It could be going to a class, just do something that's going to bring you closer to your goal that day. And yeah. then the other one is kind of the power of the reset. And this is what I, my clients are probably want to kind of slam down the phone when they hear me and kind of saying, win the next meal. Winning the next meal isn't difficult for people. What people it's difficult that make it more difficult is they believe that they have to be the perfect person in order to get the results. 
the perfection thing hasn't aided you right now. So why are we changing? Why aren't we changing the approach? Well, most people are trying to figure out or trying to lose weight. They forget to ask the questions of, does it actually fit your lifestyle? Do you actually like the foods they're having in your life? Do the foods easily fit into your social circles and leave wiggle room for going out? Does your diet leave flexibility? Can I see myself sticking to this for even a week? If the answer is no to any of these, it's not the right diet or approach for you. But mm. I would say the majority of approaches that people have actually gone for have had all elements of that of no foods they enjoy, no flexibility. If I can't have this, I'm off plan. So what's the point? Not allowed to have meals out or nights out and don't know how to reset. It cuts out carbs, cuts out any food that you enjoy. And it doesn't fit into your lifestyle and you try to do too much and then everything else gets knocked on the, on the head. So the other nothing mindset needs to change. Challenging the language around food, good or bad. Food's not like a chocolate bar is not going to come into your family home and kidnap your kids. Like it has no morals. So it can't, it can't be bad. It can't be good. Yeah. What makes a food good or bad? Like genuinely, is it because it puts on weight? No food's going to make you put on weight. I, like the whole thing about calories in, calories out. It's, that is the premise of weight loss and weight gain. If you eat too many calories consistently over time, you'll put on weight. If you eat less calories than your body needs over time, you're going to lose weight. So if you have 2000 calories to, or 2000 euro to spend, it doesn't matter if that's made up of five euros, 10 euros or 20 euros, it's still going to add up to 2000 euro. It's the exact same with calories. If you've got a calorie range of spending that you can live by and stick to, well, then that's going to give you the wiggle room. That's going to remove that perfection element for you. And then there's the other element of the main challenge is not knowing how your body works for you, which is kind of like the PMS side of things and knowing when to ease off, know when to push your training, know when to ease off with your, your mindset, knowing how to kind of fuel yourself around certain times of cycles, which are the three main challenges I think that a lot of people have with the all or nothing mindset, challenging the good or bad food narrative and then yeah. knowledge around how their bodies work for themselves. Yeah, no, amazing. And I think like the flexibility of a diet is like is so important, um, particularly if you're busy and, you know, you've got a lot of other priorities and you're, you're trying, you're struggling with priorities as it is, that it really does have to work for you. But I also think it's really important to note that change does take some amount of effort as well, that it's about finding that magic space kind of between your comfort zone and overwhelm so like you know you need to step slightly out of your comfort zone in order to make changes um but what most people do is they like take this like leap off the cliff of their comfort zone and um leads, leads to overwhelm and they totally give up so it is like you say just about taking doing one thing every day or looking at a meal and be like how can i make that meal just that little bit healthier add some vegetables to it, add a bit more lean protein or whatever, or what can I do today? I can go for a walk. Doing those little things over time, like, and I've seen it again and again with clients, like it adds up to huge results in much shorter time than you'd actually think. You know, in the space of a few weeks, a few months, it really does add up. And um, I just think that it's important that to, to find that magic space between the comfort zone and overwhelm. Yeah, I think some sort of habit tracker could help someone as well. It's kind of like, well, what's the, you said you have 12 weeks until maybe you're getting married. And it's kind of figuring out, well, what do you need to do in those 12 weeks to get you to your goal? Yeah. Right. So it's like learning how to, if you, if you are saving for a mortgage, you look at, well, I need this amount and you're, send, you're saving money 
monthly in order to get to that amount in two or three years, yeah. whatever it may be, or the amount of time. But you can see that it's a little bit more process oriented. So what do I need to do to get to my goal? Well, right, the number one thing that I need to probably sort out is my sleep. Okay, so how can I improve my sleep this yeah. week? All right, I'm going to probably leave my phone in another room. I'm going to try and do that for this week. All right, yeah. so I managed to do this week. I'm sleeping better, which meant that I'm eating better. Okay, so your sleep is managed now. All right, so sleep is, because your sleep is managed, your stress is managed, your food is managed. There's three that's probably, so what do I need to do for the second week in order for it to be successful? Okay, so I'm going to try and get a little bit more water into my body this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have, I've got, a, I've got a bottle beside me here, it's a liter. I need to get two of those a day into my body, minimum, and that will help me get my two liters. Of, so you take a box each day after you've done it and see how you go. So that's what you need to figure out. What are you going to do weekly? Break it a little, into a little challenge. What do you need to do weekly? Habit track it. Take it off each day at the end of each day. And I'd probably say you're going to be a hell of a lot further than anywhere. Yeah. Some people like that. Some people don't like it. I would probably say it's a 50-50 approach when it's yeah. kind of like comes down to habit tracking. It can work for some. It yeah. doesn't work for others. And I like to kind of think of habits as like a continuum. So I kind of say to my clients, you know, that um, you're going to work your way around the continuum. You're, so there, there never needs to be a wagon. Like I'm like, the wagon is gone. We've burnt the wagon. It doesn't exist anymore. You're on this continuum and you never need to come off it. So like that, you start with sleep. Then you start adding in a bit more whole foods. I'm kind of making this up off the top of my head. I can't, don't have my continuum in front of me. Um, you know, then you're adding in a bit of daily movement or whatever, you know, and you work your way around. Maybe you decide you want to track calories for a while because you have a goal in mind. But are you going to be tracking calories forever? No, other things will take priority because life happens, shit happens. And you might need to step back. But what you'll find is as you've moved along the continuum, things like sleep, things like water, they become automatic habits, really, that you, you have those down and you take a step back and you focus on what you can when you're dealing with something. You know, stuff happens. People get sick. You know, you go on holidays. People are getting married. There's lots of different things happening that will take you away from your focus. But by just taking a step back on the continuum means that, you don't ever, it's not, it's, you don't have to fall off any wagon. There's no wagon to fall off. You're like, okay, I'm just going to take a step back and I'm going to stay here while all of this craziness is going on. And when I'm ready, I'll step forward again. And I think it just, it helps get rid of that all or nothing um, mentality. And it's just something that you're working on for life. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think the wagon, I compare the wagon and perfection to my hairline doesn't really exist. <laughs> so we need to look at, well, the wagon is, it's, it's like all or nothing mindset's kind of crept in. And it's kind of like a three-step process to kind of break down and reevaluate the, 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 the wagon side of things. And it's kind of number one is reassess. So it's kind of like getting rid of that kind of language of getting rid of shame or getting rid of guilt that you potentially have when you're, well, oh, I've been good this week or I've been good today. I haven't had any chocolate. And then when you have the chocolate in the evening, you're like, I'm going to beat myself with this guilt and shame stick because I've done something wrong. It's like, no, no, you haven't done anything wrong. You're human. You're in a restrictive mindset. That's what probably the issue is. The mindset is the concern. Your mm -hmm. approach, is it wrong? I would say it just needs a little bit of work. So rather than jumping on another diet, which was what many people would do or doing the same diet, they probably need to kind of reassess and try to change the process because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So you need to ask yourself the questions of, were you hungry on that potentially approach that you were taking? Were you more moody? Whereas was your digestion off? Were you getting headaches because you were so hungry and had no energy? Was it beneficial to your life or was it adding anything 
if any of you are looking at any approach that you've taken and they impacted you and, and you ticked those boxes, it probably wasn't a great approach that you were hungry all the time. You had low mood, you were, had crap digestion, your headaches were happening because you were tired and fatigued. So you need to reassess the process and really look at those questions that I mentioned previously in relation to the all or nothing mindset. Can you see yourself sticking to it for more than a week? If you can't, well, then it's probably not the right approach. You, and then the second one is you need to have that kind of realization that you need to have a flexible approach to what you're doing. But most importantly, you need to probably have a flexible mindset yeah. of like, I remember having the conversation there this morning with one of the, the new people that's kind of coming on board and they're like, well, I've got a wedding next week. I'm going to start after the wedding. I'm kind of like, okay, so do you want to manage how to have weekends and me to show you how to have weekends and enjoy yourself? Or are you going to wait until you're going to restrict after the wedding? And, I was kind of, and she was like, okay, we're going to start now. Then I was like, yeah, that's all we wanted to do. It's not about me making the sale around like that because she was starting anyway. Yeah. But it's kind of like, well, we can either adjust the all or nothing approach and bring in that resetting factor for yourself and bring in that flexibility and show you that it is possible to have the weekends away, have those weddings out, have those meals away with your mates. But the power of the resets probably want to get your goal. Having that checklist for yourself of, is this diet actually going to add to my life or take away from my life is a massive, massive thing. Yeah. Diet should mean way of life. Yeah. Diet shouldn't mean the definition of what's in the dictionary of this is a short-term fix. There's people who are in a position to do six or eight week cut for a holiday or for a wedding. That's up to them. And they're if they're ready for the after effects of it, the, the changes going back to where they were afterwards, amazing. But I'm talking to the yo-yo dieters here. I'm talking to those who have struggled with their weight for a long time. Your weight is the least, least interesting thing about you, but you are making it the most interesting thing about you because it's all, all it takes up in your brain. You haven't got an eating disorder. You probably have disordered eating and disordered thoughts around food. Yeah. And generally it's food that's not the issue for the individual. It's how the person perceives themselves and sees themselves. Yeah. It's looking for that validation from other people. That's generally why people want to lose weight. In a nutshell, it generally is because when you start to lose weight, you'll get comments from other people. What You look amazing. What diet are you on? Uh, but then as soon as you kind of get to a certain point, those comments start start to, to weigh, they start to fade because mm. people are used to the new you. They're used to seeing the, the, the new kind of scenario that you're in. And then you're kind of like, well, how do I, how do I get this more? I'm going to push this even further. I need more weight loss or else you just stop doing what you're doing and go back to where you were. So that's why that why comes back into it. The checklist of, is this going to add to my life? The wagon isn't a thing. Getting rid of the all or nothing approach and being clear on your why all comes back into that wagon. The wagon isn't the thing. It's the approach that is yeah. probably way off. It's the restrictive mindset, the all or nothing mindset and not being clear on the why. That's a nice little lead into, I wanted to ask you the question that I've heard you ask other people, quite a lot of experts lately, the, um, do people fail diets or do diets fail people question? I'm kind of dying to hear your thoughts on it because I know you ask experts this a lot. Yeah, it just seems to be in my head the last two or three weeks in relation to it from a conversation I had with the client. And I was interested to hear from a perspective of, I remember I had a chat with Simon Hill and Simon talks, I asked him what healthy eating was. And Simon says, healthy eating is an approach that doesn't impact your relationship with food. Yeah. So... And I, it was very profound. I hadn't heard of it like that before. 
and I also asked, I've asked other people about do diets fail people or people fail diets. I would say it's probably a combination of both. Um, and what I mean by both is the system isn't set up. So when you're in school, you aren't taught about, you're given this nutritional pyramid or whatever it may be in school. And that's your nutrition education. You're not given any education in school on how to make a plate colorful or what a protein is or what a carbohydrate is, all that kind of stuff. There's no nutritional education at all, unless you do home ec in school. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did home ec for two weeks as part of a transition year module. I never did it ever again. But then there's the other side of things of there is a billion dollar industry where the companies are preying on kind of like the vulnerable. They're set up to make money. They don't care about your your health and well-being. Um, and they're playing on the psychological way that people think of the quick fix. That's playing the psychological aspects of needing to lose weight to be accepted. They're playing the psychological aspects of motivation and supplements, supplementing your way out, fat loss workouts, which aren't a thing, and all these kind of side of things. But then the other side of the thing is there is an element of kind of taking and kind of for the individual to kind of step back and take stock and kind of accept of are they actually taking the right approach for themselves and have like they're not provided with the knowledge it's no fault of their own but at some point you need to kind of take stock and say right am i just taking this approach for the sake of it or am i wanting to address my mindset so the element of people not knowing how or not wanting to address their mindset. There's an element of the system failing people and not being provided the education. And there's also an element of the corporations and people preying or prying on people's vulnerabilities and the marketing that's aided at them. Yeah. I can think of certain clubs doing this. There's no education provided. So it's a, probably a combination of all three. But the one thing that I probably look back at is kind of like it's yeah, it's it's probably a combination of the system, the individual and all that because diets do work. It's generally yeah. the individual or the approach and or the approach that needs to probably be tailored or tweaked. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think like the first step, I think, is really to kind of realize that we are victim to this, like, you know, from working with a lot of women and from my own um, weight loss journey as well, that um, like particularly women of my age, so kind of 30 plus, we we're, we were brought up in um, an age of where it was, you know, it was considered beautiful to look like Kate Moss. You know what I mean? It was the skinny, stick thin, Diet Coke and cigarette kind of diet back in the um, in the early 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s. And being skinny was what was considered beautiful. And then so a lot of, I think, our insecurities are, like still come down to, oh, I need to be skinny or I need to be light. And it, got, it comes back to the, to the scales. And I think... The, the first step is to kind of and I know I know sorry I know it has evolved since and um, the weight loss and fitness industry has evolved since and it's not that way anymore but I think a lot of us are still stuck there back in our teenage years where we have that programming in our head and it takes a lot and like we, we think of it all as restriction and I think to kind of first of all recognize that that's that we we have been victim to this kind of marketing to this media i suppose for so long and then being like right okay what can i do about it but you can control the narrative i know yeah. you potentially back then i know it was there was an awful lot of magazines and media and stuff like that but most people are taking their information now off 
Daily Mail or they're taking information off social media, you owe it to yourself to control your feed. Like if that's the first thing you see in the morning is someone with big glutes and a lean stomach, and the last thing I see at night is big glutes and a lean stomach or looking a certain way or someone looking lean and trim in their bikini or whatever it may be. And they're the things you're creating into your feed and that's what you look at every day before you go to sleep and after you wake up. You owe it to yourself to edit your feed. Like you wouldn't let your kids look up pornography in mm. relation to looking at their laptops or their tablets, whatever it may be. Yeah. But you're almost creating that kind of pornographic image for yourself in relation to I need to look like this. Like you don't need to look like anything because the narrative has completely changed. The narrative has gone from maybe Marilyn Monroe to Kate Moss to now the Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian's kind of style of mm-hmm. looking. But you, you would question like, what have they done to get there? Yeah. You would question exactly. what their relationship like with themselves. People you don't question know that. Yeah. They don't. What they, their relationship with, with food. Yeah. Like you don't know what they're doing. They're training six hours a day to get there. And they could be happy. They could have a great relationship with food. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. But we also have to, like there's amazing movement of body positivity movement out there. There's, there's extreme versions of it, which is kind of counterintuitive what body positivity is. But somewhere along the line that there's body acceptance and probably body acceptance comes before body positivity. Because if I say to someone right now, like you look amazing, they're like, no, I don't. They want to know how to take the comment. Yeah. So you're getting the validation you're looking for, but you're not willing to accept it or don't know how to accept it. Yeah. So validation isn't what you're looking for. The validation has to start from yourself and giving yeah. yourself credit for what you are doing, celebrating what your body can do for you and honoring what your body can do. Like it's, if you actually think about it, it's, it's, it's what the, what the, I don't want to go into genders and all this sexual orientations but the female body are those with menstrual cycles the body is phenomenal what it can do mm-hmm. it can reproduce and give birth to kids and like that's madness then it will also the body will protect itself if the body gets stressed it will turn off your potentially turn off your reproductive organs to protect your or actual organs like it's like a computer it keeps yeah. the score it's like the body is phenomenal but we don't celebrate it enough. We don't celebrate each other enough, but we always move on to, I need to look like this. I don't believe you need to look like this. Yeah. I and don't I believe think, you need to look at it at all. Yeah. I think we're in a really exciting time as well, because we're in this age of information that you can clean up your social media feed. You, There are a lot of people out there with a lot of positive messages to give where you can learn a lot and it's about being like okay recognizing where you're at and being like i need to change it and finding people like yourself to follow um you know like even like james smith like brian Keane, myself yourself you know there's lots of people out there that are giving out a positive message of how you can look after your body be healthy challenge yourself um that you can change the narrative like you say and um it's kind of exciting when you think about it that way yeah, and I would say there's been research done, timeless, timeless research done that those who are a little bit more compassionate or self-compassionate to themselves or sounder to themselves generally get better results. Generally, those who mm-hmm. try to change themselves out of hate without changing that narrative or changing that mindset around themselves, they generally don't get the the kind of like the 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 results that end is looking for. Exactly. Like <laughs> you're still going to be the same person. You're just going to weigh lighter, look smaller. 
or bigger yeah, whatever people your, think your that goals are. Way, people think I've been brought up in a culture through various different mediums and clubs that you need to look a certain way in order to be celebrated or be accepted. It's like, do you, do you really? I know, yeah. Because there's people, yeah. people who are potentially carrying a few more pounds or that are pretty content and pretty happy in life. So the, the ideology is flawed already. You don't have to weigh a certain amount. You have zero control over what you weigh. It's going to fluctuate. You have zero control over what the weather is outside. You have zero control over the stock market right now or ever. So you don't need to weigh a certain amount to be happy. You don't need a certain amount to be accepted by society at all. It's a story that you're clung on to. It's a story that and belief that you've brought into your psyche that has been tossed to you from somewhere where either, oh, you're a chubby child or bullying at, at, at home or bullying at school or some element of trauma or grief in your life or certain clubs have dictated that to you. But that can be unwired and rewired. Yeah. But hating yourself into actual change, I've never seen it end well. I've never, ever, ever seen it end well. It generally ends up going the other extreme of losing your menstrual cycle yeah. and over-exercising and losing bone health and all these kind of stuff mm -hmm. that aren't impacting your relationship with food. Yeah. But weighing a certain amount is not in your control. And that's going to scare people. Yeah. Trying to... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and it, it's just when you make that switch to making, you know, healthy changes and eating better and moving more and finding a sport or, you know, whatever type of fitness that you're into, when you start doing that because you love yourself and you want to actually, like, be healthy and, you know, when you're doing it for the right reasons, it's actually so empowering and it's it's literally life changing and everything else then starts to fall into place. But you need to be doing it for the right reasons and finding that happiness within and using that self-love to do the things that you enjoy. And you'll start to, then you start to realize that you feel healthier because you eat a certain way and because you do more and then you want to do it more because it makes you feel good. And it's kind of it has a knock off like a ripple effect, I suppose. Yeah, I think I would always say, I say to clients sometimes, like, would you let your kids speak to themselves the way you're speaking to yourself right now? Mm -hmm. Or would you let your kids do the silly diets that you've done in the past or go to those certain clubs? And the answer is always no. So if you wouldn't let someone in the next generation do it, so why is it okay for yourself to berate yourself with a stick? Yeah. And they're kind of like, okay, and then we need to change the mindset. The mindset can be changed. Yeah. It involves a lot of discomfort. It involves a lot of fear. And yeah. challenging of the stories and beliefs are just stories. They're not actual factual elements of at all to who we are or what we are. Like, like they're just thoughts. They're not, they, they come in, they come out. It's just up to us to latch onto them. Yeah. And it's generally insecurities, the ego latching onto those beliefs and stories about ourselves. And it's about having the tools of actually learning how to challenge them. One of the useful tools is a thing called fact v opinion. Get a piece of paper, break the column into two sections, left-hand side facts, right-hand side opinion, mm. and write out the stories you have about yourself and put them into the column that it relates to. Is it a fact or an opinion? Yeah. I would say 99.9% .9 of things that you believe about yourself are an actual opinion. And when, when clients actually write that out in black and white or blue and white or red and white, whatever it is, they'll actually... They're kind of like, hang on, these are all stories. These have been what's yeah. actually stopped me from living my life. When you start living your life for yourself, living by your values, living by why you want to do something and take the actions and daily steps to get there, 
you'll probably be a hell of a lot more happier. But you need to be clear on your why and your values. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, like I'm, and I'm just conscious of time here, but like we've had such a fantastic chat about mindset because I like I know you're the same as myself. Like I believe it's probably the most important thing when you're making lifestyle changes. And I kind of think that people really need to, you know, if you're doing a program that doesn't have any focus on mindset, then maybe just rethink like, OK, maybe I like, why am I doing this? Maybe I should look for a program that's going to help me work on my mindset um, because it's so important. But because we have you here, we've got a few minutes left. I do want to talk a little bit about female health and um, a few issues that some people might have. So um, I know the two of us had had a really uh, funny conversation in a car journey on the way back from Galway about PMS. Um, and as a woman who doesn't actually um, suffered too bad from PMS. It's not something that I relate to very well with clients, but I know I do know a lot of my clients and my friends um, suffer with a lot of symptoms of PMS. And um, so I was wondering if you would talk to us a little bit about like the challenges that some women face and maybe solutions for staying healthy and active um, when yeah. with these. Um, so PMS is definitely a thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Just let's put that out there. Um, because I think sometimes this PMS and this PMDD is generally the two. PMDD is a little bit more like an anxiety or depression kind of state okay. is generally what it is. And generally what PMS is, the body has a thing called homeostasis, which means it's in balance, which means that it's all happy and rainbows and it's working to its ability and functioning properly, 100% capacity. Generally, if PMS is happening, it means that something is up with the body. The body is keeping the score and it's giving you feedback that something is up. It could be that you're not sleeping correctly. It could be that you're overly stressed or not or working too hard. It could be that you're overtraining. It could be that your estrogen is slightly off or your progesterone is slightly off or whatever it may be. It's giving you feedback. So if PMS is heightened, there's a reason for that. And I would recommend all individuals who have menstrual cycles, to go and get your hormone screen to see exactly what's going on. It's kind of like getting an NCT or an MOT if you're in the UK for your body and you can get those done. And if you're having any issues with like, if your cycle is going from, it's a normal 28 day cycle and it's going from down to 26 days or it's going to a 32 days and it's irregular, you need to make sure that the body's the body just doesn't do that for the sake of it. It means it feels like it's under attack. It feels like something slightly off. So, what ways can you kind of manage your PMS? Like PMS generally happens about three to five days or three to seven days before your actual menstrual cycle kicks in, and it can be debilitating for some people, and it can be okay for others, and it can be a challenging time mentally and physically. So, it's about understanding when it happens for you. So number one tip is track your cycle. And uh, track your cycle through apps like Clue or Kindara, or you can use natural cycles, or you can understand that through a pen and paper and say, right, I know when this is happening. When you're getting bloated, you're getting fatigued, your mood is dropping, you're getting those cravings that kind of ramp up as well. And that's understanding when those happening. Step two is understand that your body is giving you feedback and you need to be a little bit sounder to yourself at this time. So what can happen is you get those cravings. Okay. So what's essentially happening when you get those cravings is your, your body's like going from Dublin to Galway on half a tank of petrol and the metabolism speeds up and it's looking for that little bit more food. So if we don't give it the food that it wants, your body's going to give you feedback and you're going to want to crave more food. 
So generally what happens when we get a little bit more tired, what can happen at that stage is when we get tired, our brain will kick in and say, right, let's get the quickest source of energy into our bodies. What types of food comes in? Chocolate, carbs, fats, really sugary processed food. That's why you potentially are craving chocolate. It could be that you're restricting things. It could be that you're more emotional or it could be that your just body is screaming out for more food. So it's one of the tactics I would recommend is bringing your calories up by 300 or so. You can aim for more if you want. So potentially if you are aiming for 1600 calories, for example, bring it up to 1900 calories for those few days. And that will be bring you, give you that little bit more leeway with your food. Aim for whole grain options, aim for more protein, aim for more fruit and veggies. Because don't forget if you're craving sugar, fruit has sugar. So it's not that you're craving sugar. It's not that you're craving chocolate. Your body is screaming out for it to be fed, for it to be fueled. It's like if your car is in the red when you're driving, the engine light goes on. You're kind of like, it's looking for more fuel. So you need to go to the petrol station to get it filled up. It's the exact same thing with your body. You need to actually be in tune with it, tracking it, your cycle could help, and then giving yourself that little bit more fuel. Mm. How do you train around that? Generally, if you if you're tracking your cycle, you'll know when and where you'll be a little bit stronger, a little bit more weaker. So generally, it's kind of like the first two weeks post bleed is where you'll be able to be stronger and you'll be able to push your sessions. Okay. Second half of the cycle where you'll be a little bit more prone to injury. You might have a little bit more fatigue, a little bit more back pain because around ovulation time, you may be able to not be able to lift as much. But every woman is different. I've seen clients on their menstrual cycles hitting PBs. I've had clients who are get their kind of like their weaker stage around ovulation. And I've had others who are able to take on the world around ovulation. So it's understanding when your body works for yourself. And it's okay to take the foot off the gas rather than potentially doing PBs galore in the gym, potentially bring it down to 60 or 70% of what you've been doing and just tick the box and say, right, I've gone to the gym today. So you won the day. It's no issue. I've just gone for a walk today. That's okay too. Just tick the box. If you've got that bloating uh, feeling, go for a walk. It will really help you to eat your mental health. You could just do a little bit of exercise if you wanted to. Probably wouldn't advise recommend HIIT around that time. Your body's fatigued already, so why drain it into the ground again? Um, look at your sleep. Look at your stress. Are you... There's an amazing crowd over in Scandinavia called Red School. And they think of the menstrual cycle in four different stages. And they compare it to the four different seasons of the year. So you've got autumn, spring and summer and winter. Okay. So if you were to look at each stage, each week of your menstrual cycle. Okay. Compare it to where it's at on different seasons of the year. So summer, you're ready to take on the world. That could be where you are at ovulation. You're ready to take on the world, ready to take on all tasks and ready to do anything that you wanted to. You could be in winter and that could be your, when you're a little bit more reclusive, you're a little bit more tired, a little bit more fatigued, mood is slightly off. And that could be the three, five days before your menstrual cycle, or that could be on that menstrual cycle stage for yourself. So if you look at it from that point of view and pinpoint where you are, how do you approach each one? Right, you may be able to take more tasks on for your second week. So if you're organizing meetings on that certain stage of your cycle, you'll be able to book those into your calendar at that time. So it's like, say if you've got a busy month with work, book them into that second week of your cycle if that's where you need it. And don't book them into the week where you're a little bit more fatigued, if it's possible. So you're ready to take on tasks, you're not ready to take on tasks. Sleep, 
stress, move a little bit, add a little bit more protein, whole grain carbohydrates. There's nothing wrong with white carbs, but what they can do is they can spike up your energy levels and crash them back down. It's not going to be a constant wave of energy. Whole grains will balance them out a little bit more, so it'll reduce the chance of cravings. Give yourself that little bit more food if you need it. Stop doing 1200 calorie diets because it's probably not helping the situation either. And yeah, that's probably where it's going. Um, and then realize that like weeks were like weeks. So if you are weighing yourself in and you're expecting like the, the week to the weighing scales to go down every single week of your cycle, it's not going to happen. So one of the really, really useful tools I use with clients is comparing your like week, like week, week or like week. So compare week of week one of your cycle in say June to week one of your cycle in July, week two, week two, week three, week three, each month. And then look at, right, so say you were 75 kilos on week one in June and you're 74.5 kg in July. But then it goes up on ovulation for you for whatever reason. But yet, if you look at the July number, it's gone down. So if you look at the two, the numbers are still going down compared to that previous time of your cycle in the previous month, rather than only looking at it from weeks to weeks. I've seen clients go 15 pounds their week before their cycles or on their cycles. Yeah. But yeah. knowing them having their tools and saying to themselves, right, this doesn't mean I'm a failure. This doesn't mean that I'm a wrong person. It means that my body's my body's doing something. It's giving me feedback. So let's look at the metrics. Let's look at your, are you improving your lifts in the gym? Are you feeling better in your clothes? Are your measurements going down, your non-scale victories? And then if the scales is going down, that's an added bonus, but it's not the be all and end all. If your measurements are still going down, that's still progress. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's it. Um, so I think that's everything on PMS. Sorry? I think that's everything on PMS. Yes, absolutely. Um, one last thing I just want, well, I have you that I wanted to ask you about then uh, we finish up is um, menopause. So I know we're, we, we could spend a whole other podcast on it. So just uh, really quickly that I have, um, I get quite a lot of questions about menopause from clients, you know, and um, they're complaining of things like, you know, that their metabolism is slowing down. They can't lose body fat as easily. They're fatigued. They're not sleeping, those kind of things. What is your advice around all of that for clients? Um, so the first things first is if you find that you're getting like hot flashes or you're getting migraines or you're getting, you feel your mood is slightly off, all that kind of stuff is to make sure you're going to the doctor. Yeah. Okay, so then you'll be able to discuss your options if you are going to get HRT or not. Some people may not be able to get HRT, some will, but it's understanding what your options are. Um, so generally, perimenopause is kind of like a second puberty. So it's kind of joining puberty where you're kind of a little bit more awkward, a little bit more not aware of what's actually going on, a little bit just a little bit more self-conscious. It's kind of like that. And men and that's it's kind of the stage before menopause. Menopause kind of, on average... It kicks in around age 51 and perimenopause kind of kicks in for like seven years or so before that. And what can happen is your cycles become irregular. You could be having heavier or lighter bleeds. But if you're aware of what your cycle was like beforehand, you'll be a lot more aware of what's actually normal for you and what's the new norm for you and learning how to kind of challenge that side of things. Um, so everyone is completely different um, in relation to the symptoms. The hot flashes one is probably the most common thing and the brain fog one is probably the one and the sleep and the mood and they're all linked. Yeah. 
what you said there about the weight, the weight kind of like, because I'm in perimenopause, I can't lose weight. The big thing that I would say is your metabolism hasn't slowed down. So metabolism doesn't necessarily slow down until after you're 60 years of age. So if perimenopause kicks in between, say, 40 and 41, 42 till 51, 52, 53, you're still seven years short of 60 years of age. So metabolism really doesn't slow down. And even then, it's only very, very minimal amount. So it's not your metabolism that's slowed down. What has happened is if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be fatigued. You're going to be tired. And when we get fatigued or a little bit more tired, what happens? Same with PMS. You want to have a little bit more food. Your body, your brain kicks in and says, I'm under attack here. Why am I so tired? Let's get the quickest source of energy into myself. So you end up eating more. The studies done between people who had four hours of sleep a night on average to eight hours of sleep on average a night. Those who ate, those who had four hours of sleep on average a night ended up eating about 460 calories on average more than those on eight hours of sleep a day. So like that adds up over time. That's a pound a week of fat. Okay. That's what it could equate to if you were to bring it down into that. So it's not that your metabolism slow down. What it could be is your body composition is changing. So you may find that you're going to going into towards perimenopause and you might find that your stomach shape is changing. And the reason for that is the various different stages of perimenopause is your progesterone starts to waver first, then your estrogen starts to waver. And the third step is that your estrogen drops and your testosterone goes up. Okay, so your testosterone is your male hormone. And if you look at where males hold their body fat, it's mainly in their stomachs. So, and as a woman, when you were younger, or those were menstrual cycles, when you were younger, you probably held it into your quads and into your hips, I would say. So as you're going through perimenopause, you may find that the testosterone is increasing. You may find it's going a little bit more in your stomach. That's because your testosterone is increasing. So it's going from your quads and your hips into your stomach and your bum. And that's why the, the composition could be changing. It could be that you're eating a little bit more as well. You're less active. So if you're less active, you're not going to necessarily um, want to eat as well. If you're a little bit more tired, you're not going to want to eat as well. So it's probably like that you need to get to the, the nitty gritty of your stress and your sleep and getting to talk to the doctor to get your hormones screened and seeing what the next stage for you is. But it's definitely not down to your metabolism. It's probably down to a set of symptoms that you have and they need to be managed. And it's making sure that things are topped up to the regular levels. Like when you've got phone credit, it needs to be topped up. And that's what could be happening. Your energy levels need to be topped up. Your stress levels need to be probably lowered and your sleep needs to be topped up. And it's figuring out that, but it's definitely not your metabolism. Thanks. That's um, so beneficial what you've said. And I think we'll answer a lot of questions for a lot of clients. And I suppose then kind of if you can manage to get your sleep and you're um, under control, it'll be easier to try and find a bit of movement that you actually enjoy doing that, you know, and like you say, being kinder to yourself and just doing a little bit. It doesn't have to be perfect and kind of start from there. Yeah. HRT, have a chat with the doctor. The HRT will help yeah. you with the sleep, reducing booze, less cigarettes, trying to get some sort of walk in yeah. pro- or exercise in would help. Um, yeah, just making sure you're going to go to the doctor. If you feel you're at that stage, 
the number one protocol I would recommend is go and talk to your doctor. And if you're not happy with the answer that's been given to you, don't be afraid to go to a second one. I've seen a few times with clients that lasted a while, particularly the last six months is they, they've gone with the set of symptoms and circumstances kind of like their hormones are dropping. The hormones are kind of a little bit, not at normal levels. Um, and they, the, the education has been provided to them why it's happening and what their next stages are. So it's important to have been, be able to be open and honest with the, the professionals, the, the, the GPs and stuff or the, the specialists that are out there and have knowing mm. your options. Yeah. So have a set of questions, have a, take a log book of like, what are your symptoms? How long they've been going on for? And be able to present that to, to the doctor and say, right, this is what's been happening. Mm. It could be thyroid. Like I know, Thyroid could be a reason why you may feel your metabolism is slower down, but if your medication's at the right levels, there shouldn't be any issue. Yeah, it's so if there's any kind of hormone issues, go to the doctor, good starting point, and then... Um, and then, the then, then they'll get to like, what the root cause is. Yeah. It could be hormones, it could be loads of different yeah. factors. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, but the general basics is get the hormones checked, balanced enough diet, reducing your booze, getting some sleep if you can. And then if you feel that you're at that stage where your mental health is kind of off, knowing that CBT or a therapist could help you as well. Like you're not alone on it. Women are amazing at talking. And if you're going through the same situation as your friends, you can guarantee they're going through it as well. Yeah. So knowing that you have the support around them, I think is huge. And I, 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 I see it all the time with my clients. They talk to their say their sisters or their moms about it, about how they went through it. Mm. Um, and everyone is completely different. But if you know what that you're not kind of like feeling like yourself, well, then, you know, something is up. Yeah. And I suppose then to educate yourself, you know, follow people like yourself. You um, cover a lot of these kind of topics on your own podcast, don't you? And um, so I yeah, what so we're like, I think lead into here is if you want to share where people can find you, where to listen to your podcast and um, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me on. The... Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. It's been so um, no valuable. Um, I know I love having these chats because it, it brings kind of like the proper information into into, into people's yeah. uh, realm. So if people want to find me on Instagram, it's at Shane Walsh Fitness. If people want to listen to the podcast, Shane Walsh Podcast, I think we're at episode 303 or 304 at Amazing. this stage. There's episodes on PCOS. There's elements, there's episodes, there's a two and a half hour episode on menopause, perimenopause and HRT. There's episodes on pill cravings. I've had some amazing guests, been very, very lucky and humble to have those people on. So head over to iTunes or Spotify and head for that. And if you want to work on myself, pop me a DM or head over to shamewashfitness.com. Yeah, because you run your own program as well, the female fat loss program. Yeah, so I run, I run at the one-to-one -one coaching, which is very, very hands-on, which is what I'll be doing for the rest of the day. And then I have my group coaching as well, which is a six-week program where people get the tailored program, tailored nutrition for themselves. And we have a Facebook group and we do check-ins on a weekly basis. But if someone is having the all or nothing mindset, can it be worked on in that group? 100%. It's the biggest change I've seen 
along with some amazing transformations. But the 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 if you're looking for it, kind of like to change that all or nothing mindset, the one to one coaching is probably the best outlet for someone. Yeah, thank you so much. I will share all of that in the show notes anyway, and I'll put links to those episodes and um, from your podcast as well. That will be beneficial to my listeners as well. But um, thank you again for your time, and um, I'll chat to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>